Open your Bibles to Proverbs tonight, and when you get there, mark it, because we're going to be in Proverbs quite a bit tonight. The book of Proverbs, chapter 6, to start off. Proverbs chapter 6. How many have been praying for the youth? Keep, them, keep praying. Talked to Dylan yesterday, and they had a real good service last night, and it grows every night. It gets better every night. The kids, when they first get there, they are just like us. As adults, they come, up, come with the front. In each service, they're trying not to lift their hands too much, and they're trying to be cool. And by about tonight, those barriers start breaking down, and they start staying at the altar longer, and they start realizing God's doing something. They stop trying to be so cool, and then God starts really moving tonight. I know because I've preached it twice. So tonight's a very important service, and really what happens is the first two nights, not that anything doesn't happen, but the first two nights... The devil's break, or God's breaking those things down of the devil. And then the last three nights, it seems like they actually get something. So tonight's really important. So keep praying, please. I want to look at a verse that many of you know. And tonight I'll, you'll understand what I'm going to talk about in a second. Uh, verse 16 of Proverbs chapter 6. Say amen if you're there. And again, we're going to look at a lot of scripture tonight. So be ready to write down. Be ready to move in the Bible and, and look at these verses. I'm going to try to take the time to have you look at them all. So try to be moving as quickly as you can from verse to verse. Uh, the Bible says in verse 16, These six things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among brethren. So out of these things that the Lord is mentioning that he hates, I want you to notice in the, in the middle there, you see hands that shed innocent blood and a heart that devises wicked, wicked plans and feet that are swift in running to evil. I want to talk tonight, if you're taking notes, about dealing with anger. Dealing with anger. Amen. I know nobody in here has a problem with that. I know none of us have issues with anger or anger management. Amen. Say, not in the last five minutes, I haven't. Right? How many know this is something you could preach on for a long time? Anger. So we know that anger exists, and we know that it's in the Bible, and we know that God talks about it a lot, and so I want to go over a few things tonight show you some examples of anger in the Bible. And I want to start off by showing you some examples of righteous anger. Okay, I just showed you here in Proverbs that uh, he hates. And so sometimes, you know, we do have to be careful when we use the word hate. But it's in the Bible and God hates certain things. And so whatever God hates, we can hate. Okay, whatever God doesn't hate, we shouldn't hate. Right, so if we follow his lead... We know that that word, although it is a very strong word, and we do need to teach our kids when and how to use it, don't try to deter them from, from understanding that there is a hatred that God wants us to have towards evil things. Okay? But let's look at some examples of righteous anger. Right there, hold that Proverbs, mark it with your, with your thing in the Bible, with your marker or your, or your pen or something. And we're going to go over to Psalms, and I want to run through some verses. If you can't keep up, then just write them down. But I really do want to try to get you to see all these verses tonight. Psalms chapter 7, verse 11. 
I'm going to say it twice and then and I'll read it. Psalms chapter 7, verse 11. This is an example of righteous anger. The Bible says, God judges the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. Okay, God is angry with the wicked every day. So we see an example of righteous anger. This is an anger that is, that is of God because he hates wickedness. How many know we should hate wickedness? If you, if you realize, as go, to, go to 1 Kings chapter 11. As you're getting there, I'll talk about something else. As you realize in your walk with God, when you're really close to the Lord, you really hate wickedness. Things that are not of God. And when you begin to fall away from the Lord, you begin to not hate wickedness as much. Okay? So that's, that's the thing that you need to notice in your life is when you begin to gravitate to things that are not good and you begin to compromise and allow those things to come in, then you are hating, not hating that wickedness like God would. And that's kind of what we talked about Sunday where, again, we're not recognizing the enemy. Amen? 1 Kings 11, another example of righteous anger. Verse 9 and 10. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Okay? We're going to go to another one in 2 Kings, if you move over to 2 Kings. But I'm going to read this again. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, commanded him to do this certain thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Amen? So we see here a righteous anger of God. And we see here that God is trying to teach us that when we are doing what we're supposed to do, He is not angry with us. And when we are doing things we're not supposed to do, He is angry with us. He is a father. Parents are not angry at their kids when their kids are obedient. Can you say amen? Unless you've got issues. I'm sure there's some parents out there that have issues. And, and it kind of leans back to Sunday where I said, be careful that you don't attack people for the wrong reason or, or get angry at people or treat people wrong because of something you're dealing with. Okay, So there are days that your kids can feel your wrath, but in general, you should not be angry at your kids if they're obeying you. You get angry when they disobey you. You get angry when you said sit down and they're still standing. You get angry when you say go over there and do this and they don't do it. It's the same with God. You say is God angry at me? Not if you're doing what he's asking you to do. You're seeing a righteous anger here. You're seeing an anger of God and a hatred against disobedience. 2 Kings 17 verse 18. Therefore the Lord was very angry, very angry, not just angry, very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. None was left but the tribe of Judah only. When God gets angry, you do not want to be in the place of his anger. Okay, that's why as believers, it's not that we're thinking God is just looking to just, just bash us over the head and hurt us. But don't, the Bible says it's a dangerous thing, a scary thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Right? So the fear and the reverence that we should have for God should be huge. Okay? Because He is a God 
of judgment, the Bible said there. He is a God of wrath. He is a God of anger. But again, only when we disobey. Okay? Mark chapter 3. I'm giving you some examples of righteous anger. Righteous anger. Mark chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. Now, we, many of you know this, and I think I might have even mentioned this. Oh, this sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. And so he said to them, It is lawful, it, sorry, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to harm, to save life or to kill? And they were silent. This is when he had healed someone on the Sabbath. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. So we see Jesus here with a righteous anger because he is mad at these Pharisees and Sadducees because they're mad because he's healing somebody on the Sabbath. Okay? Spiritual things. These are all these things that we see that are righteous anger is spiritual things. Things that God says, I want you to be angry when things in my kingdom are not right. I want you to be angry when things in your family are not right with God. Amen? A father can get angry, a mother can get angry even more when their kids are not only disobeying, but they're disrespecting God. Amen? John chapter 2. John chapter 2. I'm showing you many verses tonight about dealing with anger. Say amen when you're there. Verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple. This is what I got ahead of myself on. He found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons. And the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords. He drove them out of the temple. With the sheep and the oxen. He poured out the coins of the money changers overturned their tables and told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away and do not make my father's house a house of trade. Amen. That was a righteous anger of God. Okay. Jesus was upset that inside the house, things were going on that were not spiritual. Okay. Y'all with me? All right. I'm trying not to go to Bible study with this. Amen. I want to still give you a message, but I need you to just give me an amen every once in a while. All right, thanks. Okay, so those are some examples of righteous anger. Those are some examples of God's anger. Those are some examples of uh, reasons to be angry. Now, can I just be honest with you tonight? How many like honesty? I got the mic. I'm preaching. I'm talking to you. One, and I think my wife could agree with this. She can, she can tell you later if I'm wrong or right. I don't get angry a lot. I'm not, a, I'm not easily angered. Doesn't mean I don't ever get angry. Doesn't mean I don't get angry at my wife or my kids. But I don't get easily angered. I'm pretty level-tempered. I probably should have asked her this if she agreed before I... With what I'm going to say. Not if I can say it, but what I'm going to say. Most of my anger comes from spiritual things. Would you agree with that, honey? Most of my anger comes from not seeing things done the way I think they should be done. Things that pertain to the kingdom of God. Things that pertain to the ministry. Things that pertain to people's walk with God. Now that doesn't make me better or more righteous. or any, there's, there's, I'm sure there's many things I do that I could do better lining up with God. But my anger many times comes from seeing people disrespect God. 
seeing people make bad choices, seeing people uh, live a life and not care. I see seeing people that have been so blessed, so changed, so overpoured with God's blessings and then just turn their backs on them. That stuff gets me angry. Amen. There's spiritual things, not seeing things, uh, not seeing us as believers many times doing what we can do for God, giving everything we can give for God. And, and sometimes uh, living our lives not balanced uh, of the, the passion that we have. And I'm just talking generally the passion. And this is not just here. It's Costa Rica. It's all the ministry I've ever been in. The passion not being equal. I love to have fun. I love to watch sports. I, I'm a fun person. But the passion that I have for life should not be greater than, than anything I have for passion for ministry. Right? There shouldn't be anything that I do for the world that I don't do better for God. I should never lower myself in anything. And so those kinds of things, I just was thinking about this today, those are the things that make me angry. And I think that's okay because that's what God's saying here in these verses, that we should be angry in a righteous way. Right? You can say, you know what? That's not right. And there's a lot of spiritual things that we should stand up for as believers, and we should get a righteous anger. We should say, this is not right. And today, I think that that, as I move into the next uh, area here, is something that's majorly lacking in the general church of the world, is that the church is no longer getting angry about the world living the way they're living. And not only the way they're living, but when, when the world creeps into the church and begins to plan itself, and the church just kind of just sits there and lets it happen. Like it's no big deal. Amen. There should be a righteous anger. Jesus, in all these verses I just told you, was never angry at anything outside of what had to do with his ministry and kingdom business. How many follow what I'm saying right there? Amen. Amen? You can get angry. I can get angry at sometimes seeing how believers treat each other. That can anger you. Amen. You can get angry when you see how family members can treat each other, how how things can, how people can, that call themselves Christians can treat each other the way they treat each other. That can make you angry. And I'm sure if it makes me angry or you angry, it makes God real angry. Right. Because the Bible says even those in the household of faith, we should be greater. Our love for each other should be greater than for the world. So those are some examples of righteous anger. Now I want to give you some examples of unrighteous anger. I talked about this last week. The first one that happened in the Bible, and I don't have to go to it for time, was Genesis 4, when Cain killed Abel. That was an unrighteous anger. Okay? That was a jealous anger. Because now, not only are we going to talk about a few examples of unrighteous anger, we're going to talk about the results. Okay? Think about it. Stop for a second and think about that. When you are angered in a righteous way, okay, meditate on this thought. When you're angry in a righteous way, how will you know that you are angry in a righteous way? There will be no consequences of your anger. Okay, you follow that? I'm saying not bad consequences. There will be no results, in God, especially from God, it, you're, you're not going to have resistance, okay? You're not going to have bad consequences. But when you are angry in an unrighteous way that is not in those parameters that God gives us to be angry, how many are thankful He allows us to be angry inside some parameters? When we go out of those parameters, then we get results. We get things that happen. We get consequences of our anger, okay? So Cain was 
for, was, was uh, angry at God and at Abel for him not receiving his offering the correct way. So his heart was wrong. And when your heart is wrong and you're angry, you're open for some serious trouble. Okay? Angry heart problem. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you a quote real quick. This is a, I, want, I got a few quotes I chose today. And I want, you to, I want you to think about these, and I want you to write them down if you can and remember them. They're very good about angry. Here's one. For every minute you remain angry, you give up 60 seconds of peace of mind. For every minute you remain angry, you give up 60 seconds of peace of mind. Okay, I talked about this Sunday morning. We're all going to get angry. We're all going to get mad. We're all going to have times of frustration. But the Bible says that the sun should not set on our anger. Okay, so what he's saying there is the quicker you get over it, the quicker you get unangry. This is outside of righteousness. When you're angry righteously, it stays a little longer until you see it change. Some things you'll never see change. And so you're going to stay righteously angry about it. But even in that situation, you're going to have to say, you know what? I can't keep staying. I can't stay angry about this too long because it might be affecting me doing something good somewhere else. So you even have to get over it. But when it's something that's you, when it's something that's unrighteous, when it's something that's wrong, you need to get over it as quick as possible. Because as soon as you start being angry, the clock is ticking against you. Y'all following me? And you're missing and losing out for every minute that passes, you're missing out on peace of mind. Okay? Think about that. So next time I get angry, unrighteously, like Cain, I need to think, man, i got to get this fixed as quick as possible. I need to recognize, this goes back to Sunday morning, I need to recognize I'm mad. Okay? How many know it's better to recognize you're mad before consequences come? Right? That's smart. Wisdom would say, I'm going to recognize I'm mad before I hurt somebody. I'm going to recognize I'm mad before I lash out at somebody. I'm going to recognize I'm mad before I do, say, or even think something I don't want to do, say, or think. I'm going to regret. All kinds of worldly and their good thoughts and, and, and quotes and all these things about count to ten and all these different things. They're all good. Whatever it takes, do it. But praying would be real good. Lord, help me right now. Lord, help me. I'm going to kill this person. Lord, help me. I won't really kill him, but I want to kill him. Lord, help me. I want to strangle him. Lord, you know, all that. Talk to God. Give it to God. Amen. The quicker you get over it, the quicker you stop the consequences from coming. And Psalms 37 verse 8 tells us that. Psalms 37, 8 says this. We're going to be in Psalms and Proverbs for a few verses. It says, refrain from anger. So if it says refrain from anger, what does that mean? It means I can not be angry. Right? It says if you can refrain, it says don't be angry. Okay, it's kind of like be blameless. That's hard, but we can. He wouldn't ask us to be something we couldn't be. Okay? So it means we have to work on this. Well, I've got anger issues. We'll work on it. I'm just an angry person. We'll stop being angry. Right? Come on. Well, you just don't know what I'm going through. Well, tell God. Right? Well, you don't know what's happened to me. Well, tell God. Stop using excuses. This is how I've been my whole life. Well, the Bible says you're a new creation. 
change. Amen. Now, this is just, we all have things we deal with, but hey, stop being angry. You don't know what my kids, what my childhood was like, and you don't know. Work on it. Refrain. Work on it. And it says, forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it says, because it only tends to evil. Okay? It's only going to turn to evil. And maybe tonight, if, if you're one of those people that says, that's, that's just the way I am, is maybe that's why. It's because you've just continually, over and over, not dealt with your anger. And you just continually, over and over, worked out that anger without stopping it and refraining from it, okay? Here's another one, Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife. Okay, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. There's a point when you can stop the anger and it doesn't turn to strife. Right? How many understand that? But if you don't stop it, it's going to turn to strife. It's going to escalate. An example, generic, is a, a married couple, a family, couple of family members, brother and sister, sister and sister, whoever. Family members, they start arguing and, they, and they're mad at each other and anger begins to rise. And then one person says something to the other person out of anger. And flesh says, I've got to top that. I got to say something worse than that. I can't, anger says, I cannot allow that person to get the last word in. Okay? But the problem with that is, is as that escalates, you, can, you, you begin to say things that you know you don't mean. The problem is, is the other person doesn't know that. Because words, once they leave your mouth, are very hard to pull back. Okay? And so you can say later, and, and you realize later, you know what, I didn't mean that. And hey, hopefully they forgive you. But when you do that, you don't know for sure that they can trust that you really didn't mean that. So somewhere along that argument, one person has to be better than the other person. Okay? One person has to be better than the other person. One person has to, in a fight, would be walk away. I did that once. I walked away. After I got hit. I had a very, very good friend. My dad, would, mom and dad, would, Jason Thompson. We grew up together. We were really good friends. I mean, really good friends. We played sports together, football together, baseball together. And we were freshmen in high school, and somehow, some way, word got around through school that I was talking to his girlfriend. And after a football game, he comes out and confronts me in front of a whole crowd of people, and he says, "I know you're talking to him." Blah blah blah. I said, "No, I'm not." Blah blah blah. And so he said, "Let's fight." And I said, "Jason, I'm not going to fight you. You're my friend. And come on, man, we're going to fight." So you know, he does the gets his gets his hands up. I said, I'm not going to fight you. He said, I'm going to knock, I'm going to knock you out. He says, I said, you can hit me, but I'm not going to hit you back. And I don't know if my dad remembers, man. He well back and he popped me, gave me a good one. So I told my, my wife that day, I've been hit worse. I mean, he bashed me in the mouth hard. And I just licked my lips and just walked away. I said, I'm not going to hit back. I could have. I could have fought. But that day, thank God. That was one day I can talk about. I did not hit back. Amen. I, did, I chose to be the better person. I don't know if you remember me coming to the car with the busted lip or not. I must have hit it pretty. I might have told you it was a football game. He had no way to know. 
But I just said, I'm going to be the better person. If you're not the better person, then it's going to continue on and on. Especially in marriage. Someone's got to say, you know what? Okay, that one really hurt. I really want to, inside, I really want to say something back. I'm not going to say it. Right? That's what he's saying here in Proverbs. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Does anybody in here know anybody in your world that seems to like strife? Right? It's like, where can I stir up some strife? Well, that's not a godly spirit. That's not a godly attitude. It's a worldly attitude. And if you were that way before you got saved, let God change you. Let God you get you to a person where you're not the way you used to be, okay? Every minute of it you remain angry, you got 60 seconds less of peace of mind. Here's another verse, Proverbs 29, 22. Hope you're writing these down. It'd be good to read later. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Proverbs 30, 33, the next chapter. For pressing milk produces curds. Pressing the nose produces blood. And pressing anger produces strife. Now think about that. I kind of talked about that Sunday morning with the nudging that the devil does on us. And sometimes he uses other people. That's, there's some people that like to stir up strife. And so they push the buttons. They just like to see a reaction. Older brothers and sisters usually do that to their younger brothers and sisters. It's like, I'm going to push your button till I make you mad. I just want to see the reaction. Right? Our people are like that, right? I, know I'm not, I guess I'm not talking to anybody in here that's ever dealt with that. Push that button. Pressing milk produces curds. Pressing the nose produces blood. And pressing anger produces strife. Now here's another awesome quote. I chose a few of these. Watch, write this down. This might be the best. Anger is an acid, okay? Anger is an acid that does more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. Think about that. We get angry and we lash out at somebody or a situation, and we think we're hurting them, but that anger in us is like acid that is really destroying us. That person, have you ever saw or known somebody maybe in school or growing up or whatever, you might know a coworker, somebody, you know somebody, and you feel sorry for them because they, you know that they have anger problems. You just feel sorry for them. Because you know that they are not dealing with these things. And you know that inside, there's just a bomb waiting to go off. Amen? I didn't get an amen, so I guess no one knows anybody like that. I must only know the only messed up people. All right. So there's some righteous and some unrighteous anger. Here's some ways to overcome anger. Okay, so we know anger exists. Here's some ways to overcome it. Proverbs 14. I'm going to stay in Proverbs again for a little while. Proverbs 14, 16 and 17. I want you to really meditate on these words. 
I don't usually use this many verses in a message, but I really want you to listen to these and write these down and read these. And as I'm reading them, I want you to think about them. A wise man fears and departs from evil. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but the fool rages and is self-confident. How many think back to their younger years? Most of us here are over 20, probably. Most of us. Some in their 30s, 40s. Getting up there. I'll stay there. You remember back to your teenage years? Did anybody in here, I asked you Sunday morning if anybody ever been in a fight, did any of you ever run with the crowd that liked to fight? Let me see your hands. I'm one of them. I ran with the crowd that liked to fight. I don't know why, but my really good friends liked to fight. I think of this verse, and it says, A wise man fears and departs from evil, but the fool rages and is self-confident. The people I hung around with were athletes. We were, people, we, we, we were friends. We played sports together. For some reason, you think later on in life, why was I not smarter? <laughs> right? Have you ever gotten to an age and go, I was stupid? Yeah. I really was. What fun is it to fight every time you go out? It's like, can we just... And I would tell them, can we not fight tonight? Can we just go out and not fight? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're cool. We're cool tonight. We're not going to do nothing. Get somewhere. Eyes be looking. Checking each other out. Someone look at them weird. Bam, it's going down. End up at some 7-Eleven, running from each other. After we've, there was a fight and glasses breaking. And I don't know if anybody's ever been in any of those situations. Crazy, stupid, dumb. Looking back, how, you wonder how you're still alive. How you have a face. How you didn't get killed by a bullet. I know I was spared by God's grace. Bullets start, anybody ever at a place where bullets started flying? And you think, man, I'm so glad I'm alive. Then you're stupid enough to go back to that same place again later. Why, this is, he's saying, wise man fears. Now, I think of a situation, and if I see danger, I'm turning the other way. You don't even have to get to that place. I turn the other way. That's wisdom. Okay? So that can happen. I'm talking about maybe a fight or a situation, but that can happen too with you recognizing situations that are going to take you to anger. And when you begin to see the opportunity or the door opening for that, you turn the other way. Okay? You turn the other way. Did you all know Brian Myers was that way? You would have never known, huh? I know he didn't know that. (laughs) Right? A quick-tempered man, verse 17, acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. Okay? Is hated. There goes that angry person. Proverbs 14, 29, same chapter. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. All right, another quote. I hope you're writing these quotes down. This is really good. This goes back to Sunday. This goes back to things we've been talking about recently. When you are offended at any man's fault... 
Okay, which that's all of us. We've all we're all offended. Okay, when you are offended at any man's fault, turn to yourself, study your own failings, and then you will forget your anger. The Bible would say Selah after that. Right? You've seen that in Psalms? Selah. Let me read that again. When you are offended, when somebody does something to you or that bothers you at a fault, when you're offended by a person's fault, stop and before you judge them or get angry at them, turn to yourself. Now this takes wisdom. This takes patience. This takes understanding. This takes maturity to stop and look at yourself, and look at your failings, and you won't be angry anymore. Okay? How many know we need God's help on that? To see our failings. Now, one of the things we need to do is we need to have a few people around us, especially our spouse, and a few close people that we trust to tell us when we're doing wrong. Okay? We need to have some people around us. Say, hey, man, you're tripping. Just to throw that out there, you know? I know that didn't sound very preacher, pre- preacher, but <laughs> you're tripping, man. You need to change. You need to chill. Okay? Stop. Okay? Amen? Amen. Chill. If you take that from somebody that you don't have in your group of, of trust, I'm not talking about a click, I'm talking about some trust, then you're going to get angry. And it's going to get worse. But you need to have your spouse, a family member, your children, some people close around you that you trust to say, hey, you might not notice this, but you are acting really bad. You are angry about something that you should not be angry about. Amen? How many know we need someone like that in our lives? And we need to listen to them. Okay? We need to listen to them. We need to say, and you know, you can even go a step further in your marriage with close people around you. You can say, hey, if you see me acting a certain way, would you tell me? Okay, like I said, you can't do that just with everybody. And you shouldn't. But you should have some people in your life that you allow to tell you you need to calm down. You're not acting right. Because how many know when you're in the heat of a moment or angry or in a situation, you do not see how foolish you're acting because you're in the moment. Everybody on the outside is going, if they could just see how dumb they look right now, how horrible they, they sound, don't make me chase that rabbit. Right? If they could just see how horrible they sound. How many, of ever, how, many, how many of us have been in a situation where you're in a group setting and one person begins to offend the other person, most of the time spouses, and you want to crawl into the napkin holder? Because it's so awkward. Right? I guess I'm the only one that's ever been in that situation. Right? That's horrible. Somebody needs to be able to say, man, don't break that down ever, but definitely don't break it down in public, in front of other people. Man, I'm all kinds of in our backyard tonight, right? Aren't these good messages, though? These need to be said. These kinds of things need to be talked about. So we're not angry, so we're acting like believers. So when you're offended at any man's fault, turn to yourself, 
Look at your own feelings and forget your anger. Okay, good sense. Proverbs 19.11 makes one slow to anger. I, wrote, I, I think I put this on, my, on a piece of paper in my office a couple months ago, and I saw it again today. And this is a powerful one. Okay, Proverbs 19.11. If you ask yourself, am I, am I, I'm not talking about a good person in the standing of to be saved. We know we're saved by grace. But am I a good Christian? How many want to know if you're a good Christian? I can give you an answer right now. Okay? You want to know if you're a good Christian? You want to know if you're doing well? Listen to this verse. Good sense, verse 19, chapter 19, 11, Proverbs. Good sense makes one slow to anger. Okay? So you have good sense. Now, I've been talking about this late, lately, and, and, I, and I've been really realizing the problem is you can't teach common sense. Okay? How many wish you could teach common sense? Oh, that would go a long ways. You can't teach common sense. You have to learn that. You have to have it. And this goes to like those people that are super educated. The more educated you get, the less common sense you have. It's true. And there's nothing wrong with being educated as long as you stay in God and He humbles you and you stay right. But the more educated you have, the less common sense you have. Okay? So it says good sense, common sense makes one slow to anger. Okay? Now watch this next part. If, am I a good Christian? Here's your answer. And it is His glory to overlook an offense. It is His glory to overlook an offense. So you have two types of people. You have some that when something happens to them, they write it down. They mark it in their brain. They register it. That person did me wrong. That person said something to me. That person looked, I mean, they register it. And it's there. And then later on, when it happens again, or some, it, it comes back up again. And so that's a second time, third time, and it's registering. And every time it registers... You hate that person more. You're more angry at that person than you were before. Your glory is to be able to look over the offense. Amen? Look past those things. Oh, but you're talking about, man, they just, they're abusing me. Man, they just keep doing the same thing over and over again. The Bible says to turn the other cheek. The Bible says, if he, Jesus said, if they steal your, your jacket to give them your tunic too, your cloak too. Where, where, where do we stop doing what Jesus said? How as believers do we automatically just begin to register things, things have done to, people have done to us and don't look, overlook them? We need to get to a place where if somebody does you wrong and they're going to do you wrong, you don't register it, you look past it. And you forget it. And I'm not saying at that moment that it didn't make you angry. It's okay to be angry at the moment. The question is tonight, what do you do with the anger? Do you bottle it up? Do you register it? Do you put it in a safe place for later? Or do you let it go? Amen. Pastor Jones used to teach us in discipleship. He used to say, when somebody does something to you that you don't like, or it bothers you, and it's not a huge deal, it's not a, a, a life or death situation, you just go like this. You just let it go. Amen. Because guess what? Mr. Holy and Mrs. Holy... You did the same thing to someone yesterday that they did to you. We all mess up. We all cause people to get mad. And so we need to be able to have the glory of overlooking an offense. Okay, Ecclesiastes 7.9, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry. 
For anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Remember, bosom is lap. That means it's right there to grab. It means it doesn't take much. Get angry much? Right? It doesn't take much. If you don't overlook the offense, if you don't let it go, and you hold it right here on your lap, then the next time a situation comes along, you're like, anger. You just grab it. Anger. Here it is. Anger. You think, why did you get, how'd you get mad so fast? Because you're still mad from the last time. You didn't let the last one go. And again, all you're doing is holding acid on your lap. See, when you do this, you're pushing it past you. You're not allowing it to sit on you. How many follow that? You're not allowing it to stay here. You're getting rid of it the best you can. And again, these are things that are not righteous anger. These are things that people do because we're people. And we get on each other's nerves. Amen. Why do you think people get divorced? Because they get on each other's nerves. And then they say, well, I'm going to get divorced and find somebody else. And they go find somebody else and they get on each other's nerves. You're never going to meet someone and you're not going to get on their nerves and they're not going to get on your nerves. It's part of life. People church hop. People go from church to church because they, someone got on their nerves and then they go to the next church and someone gets on their nerves there. Amen. Go to the next one. They're on my nerves over there. It's, it's going to happen. I'm going to get angry. Amen. James 1.19. Do not, sorry, know this, my beloved brothers, James 1.19. Let every person, you've heard this before, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay? So tonight we're, exa- we're always examining ourselves. If you're, if you're doing this thing right with God, you're hearing a message and you're examining yourself. And you're saying, God, do I get angry really easy? Is my temper short? And if it is, you need to ask God for help. The good news is, God can help us. That's the really good news, is if I got anger problems, God can help me. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Let me give you a few more verses. All right, Matthew chapter 5. I'm closing. Verse 21 to 24. You've heard it that it was said of old, you shall not murder. Matthew 5, 21. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Be first reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Those are Jesus' words. Amen? This is why the gospel is offensive. Because Jesus was really straight to the point. And, and, and our hearts of people would say, well, I'm not a murderer. I've never killed anybody. 
I've never, I've never cut anybody, shot anybody, beat anybody to death, yet we kill people with our words. Right? Isn't that what Jesus was always doing? We, he was always dealing with the, the interior instead of the exterior. We're always trying in, in, our, in our flesh, not on purpose, but in our flesh to put up a facade or to, pit, to you know, push stuff on other people and, and say, well, I, I, you know, I'm good here and I'm, I'm good here. And Jesus is always through the Holy Spirit trying to get into the places where you're not good. And if we'll stay around long enough, stay at the altar long enough, stay in prayer long enough, stay in church long enough, stay in God long enough, stay around our brothers and sisters long enough, we will get those things dealt with. And we will be blameless. But a godly person is looking for the opportunity to say, God, where am I failing? And when the message begins to be preached on whatever it is, then we begin to say, God, you're speaking to me. That's me. And we say, God, soften my heart so I can hear what you're trying to tell me. Amen? That's good stuff. Galatians 5. These are a few things you've read. You know, I mean, sorry, 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Okay, all those sound, those are big sins. Right? Adultery, uh, uh, sexual immorality, sorcery idolatry, but he did not stop there because that's where most of us are good. He goes on to say enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. You think he was talking to kids, right? But he's talking to us. Rivalries. Oh, well, they dress better than I. Oh, they do this. Oh, they. Oh, I'm sorry. Dissensions, divisions, Envy, drunkenness, orgies. How in the world are those things all together? But they are. That's what people in their self-righteousness are reading that and they're going, chick, chick, chick. Oops. Right? Oops. Not chick. And then you think, man, I thought I was good until I realized these were all in the same thing. You mean he looks at drunkenness and idolatry and sexual immorality the same as he does anger and jealousy? Wow. This must be a heart thing. This must be that God wants me to get along with everybody. This must be that God wants me to love people. This must be that God wants me to lift people up. Can I get an amen? Because those people, I warn you, I'm still reading Galatians, as I warned before, those that do those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we know what the fruit of the Spirit is. Galatians 5.22 Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against us there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk also by the Spirit. Let me give you another quote tonight. Last one. Speak when you are angry, and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. Speak when you're angry, and you'll make the best speech 
you'll ever regret. One last verse. I, well, write this down. I talked about this Sunday. Ephesians 4, 26 to 28. Did not let your anger go down with the sun. But Colossians 3, 8, 12 to 13 says, You must put them all away. Anger. Go there real quick to Colossians. Let's end up in Colossians chapter 3. Give me a big amen when you get there. Colossians chapter 3. I know some of these verses I've been saying fast, and you've probably been writing them down, but I want you to go to this last one. Colossians 3, verse 8, and then 12 and 13. Okay, so, so God is saying here, He doesn't say, I think I would like you to put these things away. He says you must. Okay? You must put these things away. Anger. Wrath, now this isn't in alphabetical order. So we know it's not because it starts with an A that he said it first. Anger, then wrath. Malice, slander. Obscene talk from your mouth. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Amen.